Thank you for joining us today from wherever you are. Some of you are joining us at home, just viewing this perhaps on your phone or uh, on your screen somewhere. Some of you are joining us together in groups, and uh, we're glad you have. And from wherever you are, we are glad that you've joined us for uh, this next episode of Stay Positive. There is no doubt in my mind that... uh, The current circumstances that we are facing, the climate in which we live, because of those circumstances, that staying positive is extremely challenging at this time. Now, maybe that's not your experience. Maybe you've been uh, able to stay positive all along. If that's uh, what you're experiencing, well, then this message is for me. I invite you to listen along. And if it's helpful to you, great. I've been having struggles to stay positive. Uh, I'll, I'll enjoy just being really positive and seeing God at work in, in a season of a day or a season of a week and uh, then need drift into a, a, a sense of... Uh, uncertainty and anxiety and struggle. And then, I, then there are things that I do to draw near to Jesus, to try to get back to that place where I can stay positive again. And so some of those things that I'm learning and uh, feel are powerful truths to help us stay positive, I want to share with you today. But I want to be really careful not to share it in some uh, easy, formulaic way because it's not as easy as just saying stay positive and be encouraged and encourage others and just giving easy answers. And I want to bear that out a little bit today. Our title for today specifically is Draft, Don't Drift. Draft, Don't Drift. Now that will uh, need some explanation. Uh, best way to explain that is uh, that I went away for a few days last week and really enjoyed uh, a chance to be away on the way back. Um, On a highway, I saw a sedan that had a mattress tied to the top, and it was traveling at 60 plus miles an hour, and just one rope tying this mattress on top of the sedan, and the mattress uh, folded at the rope and was, uh, the front end of the mattress was totally vertical as this car was traveling down the highway, and it was just totally catching all kinds of wind, and I just thought, wow, that's destroying the gas mileage, and making that car work so hard to drive with that mattress in that way. Now, when something like that takes place, a difficulty like that takes place, you have two options. Now, I want to talk about those two options. Before I do, I want to just talk about the principle of drafting. Maybe you've seen a a bicycle race where one cyclist uh, is right behind another cyclist, and usually there's a line of cyclists traveling at really high speeds, one bike behind another bike with just inches between them. They're all hunkered down as low as possible to have the least amount of wind resistance to get the greatest amount of uh, advantage in speed. But the drafting position is so critical in a bike race because in bike racing, the strongest cyclist does not always win because they draft off of each other. And according to the science of drafting in a cyclist uh, race, you can save 30% of your energy if you're drafting off of a person directly in front of you if you're close enough. Now, that would be true of that sedan with the mattress also. So I want you to imagine you you realize that you're 
your gas mileage is dropping and then you look out the window and you see that the mattress is folded up. You have two options. You've got all this resistance. You could take your foot off the gas, but you don't have anything to fix it, no extra rope. And then you, would, you, you have the mattress flop back down. You could go really, really slow or you, you could do something else. Now, I'm not recommending this, but it's just based on an illustration. I want to show you this. You could decide to press your foot on the gas and draft the semi truck in front of you that's going uh, the speed you want to go. If you get close enough to this 18-wheeler with this tall uh, tractor-trailer truck, literally this sedan with the mattress, the first thing that would happen if you got right in behind this, this truck, the mattress would flop back down because your, uh, the wind resistance is cut by the truck in front of you. You're drafting the truck. And then not only would you have the mattress come down, the drafting wind the truck that's actually taking the brunt of the wind in front of you pulls you along. Now, I can't prove this because I've never run this as an experiment, but what I know about drafting, I think what would take place is you'd be having better gas mileage even with the mattress on the sedan following that truck in close proximity than if you were traveling the highway without a mattress all on your own. Now, why would I be telling you all of this? Well, the point is this. We have a choice to make. And so I want to talk about the choice before us today. The choice before us today, we have two choices. One, draft behind our Savior's pioneering leadership in grace, kindness, and the power of love. Or two, drift into the negativity lane with the masses who are experiencing a lot of darkness. Those are the two choices before us. You can draft or you can drift. And I'm suggesting by the title today, draft, don't drift. But it's not a simple formulaic answer because what you are about to draft, what you're about to draw close to is Jesus and it isn't all rosy. It isn't all easy. It isn't all happy. If you get close enough to Jesus, you're gonna be drafting in his suffering and in his joy. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. There's two truths in tension that we're gonna be talking about today. Point number one, Jesus was a man of sorrows full of joy. A man of sorrows full of joy. Now the first part of the tension is man of sorrows. The second part of the tension, which seems like it doesn't fit, is man of joy. And he's full of those two seemingly opposite characteristics. Let me show you the first part of the tension. It's found in Isaiah 53 in a prophecy centuries before Jesus walked on earth. Isaiah 53 verse 3 we read, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, some translations would have a man of sorrows, and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. So 
He is the man of sorrows, a man of suffering. Now that's in tension with the other aspect of the truth. Although he's called the man of sorrows, the crowds that followed Jesus didn't really think of him that way at all. They thought of him as a man full of life, a man full of joy, a man pointing the way to experience more life, more joy, and the crowds gathered around to hear more because he had something they wanted. So how does these two things fit together? The label, man of sorrows, and a person that's full of joy. In Jesus' ministry, his words recorded in John 15, 10 through 11, we read this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, do you recognize that he's describing his joy as something separate from our joy and our joy will not be complete until his joy is in us, which makes you want to ask, what is his joy that he wants us to experience that enters into us to make our joy complete? We'll look at that in a moment. The disciples didn't know what he's talking about specifically. We read more. In John 17, 13, we read Jesus' words, I am coming to you now. This is in the middle of his prayer. He's talking about coming to the Father. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying that his disciples, we who are followers of Jesus, would receive the full measure of his joy within us. So both of these passages talk about his joy being placed inside of us to complete our joy. How is it that these tensions fit together? We're following a man of sorrows who's full of joy, that wants to put joy inside of us. So we're going to resolve those tensions now on point number two. We're going to ask the question, what, how, why? And resolving the tension. We're going to look at A, B, and C, the what, the how, and the why. Point number A, what? He took up our sorrows. So what is this man of sorrows all about? What is it that this label is talking about in Isaiah 53.3. We don't have to go far to discover what he's talking about. It's in the next verse, Isaiah 53.4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. This was so puzzling to people in the Old Testament until it's fulfilled. It's, it feels like we're reading it right out of the New Testament for those of us who know the story. But before that, they didn't know who was talking about. And what is this sorrow that he's taking on that we think he's stricken by God? Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds... We are healed. That's the what. That's what his sorrows were all about. He takes up our sorrows, our sins, our pain, and carries it and absorbs it into himself when he dies on the cross. He's pierced for us. That's the man of sorrows. How? 
how he could do this? B on your outline, he could do this because of joy. In Hebrews 12.2, we read in the New Testament, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. How did he do this? How did he absorb it into himself? What gave him the, the motivation, the power and ability to do this thing, to literally absorb all of our suffering, all of our griefs, all of our sin, to release us from the penalty of our own sin? What could cause this? And the answer is the joy set before him. He scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now we could ask, what is this joy set before him? Is it the joy of getting through the pain so he could be back with his father in heaven, be back into the state of exaltation and glory and away from this humility? I mean, certainly that's part of it, but that's not all of it. He is looking at something beyond that and it's the why he's doing it that is part of this joy. So see on your outline, why? To give us joy. It's for the joy of, sure, coming through and obeying and being obedient to his father all the way to the point of giving us this gift, which was God's desire for us. But it's also so that we would receive what it is that this terrible, terrible thing for him releases a very, very good thing for us. So what is this joy that he is going to give us? I'm gonna hold off on that question just a little bit longer. Let's move to point number three. By this event, he has enabled us to be a part of his kingdom, to draft in his pioneering love, his grace, his power in his kingdom. And point number three, we follow, we draft in his power, his love, his grace. We follow in his joy and sacrificial love. If we're only trying to follow in the joy that we experience, we're missing something. He has called us to follow him. He says, you want to be my disciple? You got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be in my kingdom, I got to be king. If you want to be in my kingdom, you have to submit. If you want to be in my kingdom, you have to yield. It's not about your rights. It's not about what you want. It's not about your happiness. It's not about your joy. Follow me. Just as I gave my life for others, if you follow me, you're going to experience joy that I'm going to describe to you in a moment that's beyond, it's mind-blowing joy, but it's going to be for a purpose so that you can love sacrificially. What is this joy he's talking about? This joy that he gives us is the joy that he experienced. He is the Christ. He's a man who is fully anointed by the Spirit of God, and the Christ is the term that's a Greek translation of Messiah, and Messiah is the Hebrew term for the anointed one, but both of these terms are terms for the coming, delivering king, who would be fully anointed by the Spirit of God, and here is the big surprise, so that we could be fully anointed by the Spirit of God, so that his joy, that anointing, could become ours. You see, God cannot bless us in our sinful state. The only way he could fully bless us is if our sins are removed. And so he sent his son Jesus to remove our sins the way he did, voluntarily, paying the penalty for our sins so that we could enter in 
his righteousness, and there's an exchange made. He takes our sins, we receive his righteousness. He has never sinned. Once that exchange has taken place by faith, now God can place within us because our sins are atoned for by the cross, covered by his blood, covered by that payment. God can place within us his blessing, unhindered by sin. His blessing is the power of the spirit in our lives. And when we fully experience that joy, it looks like this, love, joy, peace, a patience with others that is a forbearance even while they are against us and hurting us, a love even for our enemies, a kindness, a goodness, a faithfulness, a gentleness, a self-control that comes out of a spirit's control in our lives because we're drafting so close to Jesus, the wind of his life is pulling us along, the breath of God is pulling us along as we're drafting close to him. By the way, just as it is with a semi-truck. It's a very dangerous thing. You have to be willing to deny yourself and lose yourself and draw so close to Jesus. You find yourself in this close proximity with Jesus. It's a very hard thing to press on the gas and to get that close. But as you do this, and we say no to me and yes to him, no to my will and my kingdom and my comfort and yes to your will and your kingdom and the comfort of others as we bear their suffering and their struggle, we carry it upon ourselves. That's a very hard thing to do, but it's done by the power of the Spirit as we love Jesus. We draw that close. It's like, I think of C.S. Lewis who said in his Narnia Chronicles, the Christ character is Aslan the lion, and the characters talk about how he's not a tame lion, but he's a good lion. It's wild what he'll take us through. It's not tame. It's not controlled. It's not often what we want. But as he takes us through and we follow closely, we see his hand moving in the situations as we decide to care and decide to love and decide to carry somebody else's pain and share. In my devotions, just a couple days ago, I read 2 Corinthians 1.5. It just jumped out at me as we're talking about drafting closely to Jesus. It reads this way. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, did you know that? We've signed up to share in his sufferings. And they're not over yet. He's continuing to carry the load for others. And we sign up to carry that load for others with him because we're in the body of Christ. That's what it means to draft closely with Jesus. But it also means, let's read the whole sentence, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort or our joy abounds through Christ. So we receive the challenges of sacrificial love as we're drafting so closely following Jesus, but we're also receiving this incredible joy, this incredible purpose, this incredible meaning in our lives as we're following him, making a difference in the kingdom. Draft. Don't drift. I received an email with this tidbit from the Old West. Back when the West was being settled, the stagecoach was a common means of transportation. Some stagecoach companies offered three classes, even though the passengers sat in the same small compartment. There's different 
prices for the different classes of tickets you'd get. What was the difference? According to True West magazine, first class passengers rode all the way. Second class passengers had to get out and walk on steep grades. And third class passengers not only had to walk, they also had to help push the carriage up the hills. When Jesus looks to us and says, follow me, he makes it really easy, but it in some ways is hard. But because he's in front of us and carrying the brunt of things, it's easier than the other choice of not following. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, but it's not an easy deal to deny yourself and follow him and carry the sacrificial love and push while others are sitting. So here's a couple of points to consider. When we follow our calling, we draft. When we follow our comfort, we drift. Just like that sedan, we have the choice of pressing on the gas and getting in close and drafting or letting off the gas and then you're going to be in the complaining lane, in the slow lane, in the lane filled with darkness because you're far from view of Jesus now because we're not really talking about trucks or cars. We're talking about baggage and Jesus the man of sorrows who carries our baggage, who died for our baggage and pulls us forward so we can help others with their baggage. And we say to others, draft, follow, follow behind me. Let me carry this load for you. What can I do for you? Let me read this that I wrote out for us today. I will do more than go along for the ride like a dog with his head out the window, tongue flapping in the wind. While drafting closely to Jesus, I can do more than watch and listen on Sunday. I can participate with Christ in his mission. While drafting closely to Jesus, I can do more than be sad. I can care. I can do more than care. I can help. I can do more than believe. I can practice what I believe. I can pledge my faithful allegiance and obedience to my king's commands. While drafting closely to Jesus, I can do more than be fair. I can be kind. I can do more than forgive. I can love and accept and be for this person, even though he or she is against me. I can do more than dream. I can accomplish God's purposes for my life. I can do more than teach. I can inspire. As people see, it isn't about me. It's all, all about my Lord Jesus Christ. I can do more than give. I can serve. I can do more than live. I can grow. I can do more than suffer. I can triumph. No, I will triumph. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And you can too. You can receive the full measure of Christ's joy. He desperately wants you to receive the full measure of his joy, the fullness of the spirit that comes when you're drafting closely with him. 
as man of sorrows, you rely on him for your forgiveness. As man full of joy, you rely on him for daily grace and love and the ability to live a sacrificially loving life for others because we're on a mission following him. And it's an adventure and it doesn't feel safe. But we don't follow a safe God. We follow a good God. And he will take us home safely if you will draft and not drift. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for loving us so much that you're willing to send your son. You held nothing back. You gave your most precious to hurt, to suffer, to be filled with sorrow, to absorb our darkness and then to release your powerful light and life and joy through your spirit. I thank you for your gift. Lord, I pray for anybody listening today that hasn't received this gift, that they would reach out to you right now, reach out to somebody that knows you and ask, can you help me pray this? Can you help me receive this? I I want this. Start right now by simply crying out to God, Lord God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I want you to be my savior. Thank you for suffering for my sin, for being pierced for my transgressions, for bearing my sorrows and sufferings and taking them away. Thank you for wanting to give me joy and give me forgiveness and give me your spirit. I want to enter into your kingdom. I want to pledge my allegiance to you. I want to follow you, and I'm willing to do the hard stuff too. The hard stuff of pressing on the gas and getting close to you again instead of aiming for my comfort and drifting away. Lord, help me. I repent. I turn to you. I take steps towards you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I hope that you'll talk to somebody soon. Perhaps you can even uh, interact with them right through social media on some of the platforms that you might be seeing this on. And right now, uh, just type your need for more prayer and some conversation and, and go from there. Talk to somebody else, be uh, it, anybody, and just make it part of your conversation. Go further with it than just a prayer today. Hope to see you soon for the next episode of Stay Positive.